Hey, good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here. Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where our goal is to bring you the best of the best and maybe help you think outside of the box a little bit. Um, that is my goal. I think a lot of times um, looking outside of the conventional can be really beneficial. And so we want to bring to you health on all levels, uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, all of the things. And so um, it's really fun when I can bring to you people who are here, as always, though, doing things that are that are stepping outside of the box, who are who are helping others and who have a really cool history. <laughs> I mean, so often, though, we are doing what we do because of our history. And so we like to hear the stories. I like to hear the stories of where people come from and how they get to where they are. So today we have Paul Shirley, who is who is sitting way lower than I am because he's like two feet above me. <laughs> so We did a lot of arranging. Yeah, we did a lot of arranging for sure. Um, but Paul is a former pro basketball player Chicago Bulls, Phoenix Suns. Both correct. And one more. Um, oh, no, several. It was like 19. 17 different 17. professional teams. Wow. Yeah. Although only three NBA teams, really. Okay. So you got two of them. And yeah. And the Atlanta Hawks. There you go. There the you third. go. Plus lots of, uh, I played in Spain, Greece, and Russia. Ooh, I don't played. think I knew that. Amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. And, uh, for minor league teams, for it went went to various training camps and got cut. Summer league teams, it was wherever they would take me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go. I cool. was a basketball mercenary. <laughs> so that I mean, it's a, it's amazing how you can just you went. That's that's a lot in just a few years. Yeah. I mean, so basically, <laughs> I spent from the year two thousand to two thousand ten, more or less. Yeah. As a professional basketball player, yeah. traveling wherever. Mm -hmm. They needed to pay me to play a yeah. game. Yeah. So it was a lot mm -hmm. in a very in a in a pretty brief time. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful for all that you've done because it's brought you to where you are now. Um, we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, we always start the show with gratitude. And I have to apologize because you're sort of your head's a little bit cut off. Oh. But I don't know what to do. <laughs> Right now. I can scoop anyway. Back. How's that? Makes my that does make what, my head look gigantic. Whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. Yeah. So what happens when you're you know pushing seven for, feet? How tall? For those, are you? I'm six foot nine. Okay, you are pushing seven. Feet. I suppose I am pushing seven feet. Yes. Amazing. True. Yeah. Um, for those who uh, don't understand Nikki's uh, lot in life, it's a real control center in here. So. Uh, <laughs> Be grateful to her for being able to put this together. It feels like we're in a spaceship. We kind of are. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a lot around us, um, mm. and well, and I'm grateful to Henry. You know, this is this mm. is his studio, his station, all the things he does. He runs the show and helps with all the techie stuff. So, yeah, it's a good time though. Um, it's amazing the amount of people we get to reach and and um, you know get out really good information. Mm. And that's that's always my goal is to bring the best that I very the very best that I can. So people can live that big life that they're intended to live, right? You know, kind of like what you're doing. You know, there are people out there who are trying to build their businesses. They're having a tough time, and you are here there to build them up. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
first, before we get into that, sorry, I keep getting sidetracked, bad habit. Uh, you know, squirrel, always. Um, what are you grateful for? Um, I had a near nervous breakdown last night. Oh. So. Not because of the show. No, no, no. I'm yeah, kidding. I was so nervous <laughs> to be talking to you today. Right. Uh, no, just around um, business things. I'm, I yeah. run my own business, and yeah. I find that there are times we will talk more about mm -hmm. this um, when it gets to be a lot, right? And so I guess what I'm grateful for today is the fact that I was able to hook into some of my daily habits this morning and help to kind of work my way through some of the chaos of last night. I didn't sleep a lot last night. Yeah. I'm not probably at my best. Sorry to everybody that's paying attention. Fine. But you yeah. may get a more authentic version of me because of that. So <laughs> right. all the better. So I, I think I have found that, um, that my, my brain is somewhat chaotic. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so dependent on systems yeah. that I can connect back yeah. into each day uh, to make sense of that and to equalize. So mm -hmm. I'm... I'm happy and thankful that I was able to do that today. Yeah, it's a, it, oh man, I, I feel you. Uh, there's been a lot of that in my world as well. Mm. Um, you know, the chaos and the frustration, the the questions. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what's going on with you, but I just know that I feel, feel what you're saying. Mm. Um, and I would say that, you know, I'll, you know, my, my gratitude is similar to that where, um, you know, I'm, I'm finding people who are outside of my wheelhouse who know how to help me find ways of finding balance, finding, um, being centered, mm. uh, giving me tools, n new tools that I've heard of, but I don't really truly understand to, to, um, bring myself to a place of calm. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is really hard when it feels like everything around you is chaotic and, and you're, there's, you're, for me, it's a little bit of losing control, um, and going, okay, I'm not really in control. You know, for me, I need to drop the control because as a, as a, a Christian, I'm like, it's not on me. It's on him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that I have to sit back and take a, take a step back and go, okay, just chill the F out. Because you know mm -hmm. you're growing. This is this is a growth spurt, right. Right. <laughs> and it's freaking hard. I was on my way in. There's one thing: it's this tapping your thymus and saying mm -hmm. all of the good things, right? And and I was like, okay, I'm really grateful for growth, and really grateful for growth when it's past. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, when well, the rings in the tree, the growth rings have been laying it down. Yeah, you, it's a lot easier to look back with some gratitude then. When you're in yes. the midst of laying down those rings, uh -huh. you're like. It's not very How do you feel yeah. about one of the things I struggle with is I'm doing a lot of coaching of people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, talking them through uh, making changes in their lives. Yeah. And I think what we see in the world is a sense that some of the gurus that we see on social media have things figured out and are looking back at like, here's all the mm -hmm. things I did right, mm -hmm. or here's the mistakes I made, but now I've arrived and now yeah. I can coach you. Yeah. And one of the fights I often have is that I'm in the middle of it too. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that can be uh, helpful to people, but other times, um, just naturally, people might say, well, you don't even have your own life put together. Why should I 
allow you to coach me? Do you see that as a paradox or as a challenge? Um, it's a really great question. I see it as, I, I think that even those who we see who are up here who seem to have it figured out, they still don't have some things figured out, mm -hmm. right? It's sort of, I think it's still part of the process. You know, I've had my own health struggles and will still continue to guide people through their health struggles because there are things that I've been through, but then there are also things in my own research and my own understanding. But I think, I think we see those people as the people who have it all figured out, and I don't think they do. They never do. Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the... The thing I learned from professional sports, mm -hmm. right, was that um, nobody really knew what they were doing. There's this the quote by yeah. William Goldman, the writer of The Princess Bride, oh, where he's talking so about um, how no one in Hollywood can predict whether a movie will be a success or not. Mm -hmm. And the quote is very simple. He just says, no one knows anything. Right? <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about this world of movies in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That's what I found to be true in the world, right? Like, no one knows what the hell's going on at right. any time. So, and I think some of my success as a writer about my sports days mm -hmm. came from admitting none of us know what's going on mm -hmm. here, right? Like, I remember so vividly writing uh, this blog while playing for the Phoenix Suns about the reality of being on a road trip and not being able to remember which room I was in one night because I, we had just been in different cities the yeah, night before, yeah, right? Which yeah, is yeah. not the mm -hmm. glamour and glitz that you want necessarily right. out of your mm -hmm. athletes. But it, I think it, it touched a nerve with people because they then saw that, oh, these people are going through the same things I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Or that's how mm -hmm. I would probably behave if I were in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting how, how there's such a pedestal. You know, for whatever industry, there's always that pedestal. And you're always looking up and you're always thinking, okay, they have it figured out, or it's glamorous, or it's, you know, it's the easy road now, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're making however much money. You're a pro. You're making all this money. Um, when what I would imagine in talking with you and a few others that, sure, there's a lot of success there because you worked your ass off for that success. But there's still a lot of challenges and struggles and things that you have to do and things that are the behind the scenes right. that are still there to help you grow mm -hmm. and, <laughs> yeah, and it's, right. uh, it's also worth noting that when someone is willing to pay you a lot of money they expect a lot from you right it's not yeah. like they just say hey here's a bag mm -hmm. of cash mm -hmm. and now relax and have a great time yeah it's uh, now the expectations have ramped up yeah. based on uh, what your salary is or how much they've invested in you yeah yeah, I can't imagine the pressure, <laughs> really. Well, it's, I mean, it's, uh, sometimes, that's another place I sometimes beat myself up. Okay. I used to play basketball in front of, you know, 15,000 mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. in an arena, and sometimes millions of people on TV. This mm -hmm. is yeah. probably more true in my college days, because as a pro, because I was moving around all the time, mm -hmm. it was a little bit harder to put as much pressure on myself because I wasn't in the same place for five years like I was in college. Yeah. But the same uh, illustration applies. Being able to calm myself down in order to, say, shoot a free throw mm -hmm. in front of screaming oh, fans, man. right, mm -hmm. was a real, of course, a challenge and something I worked at to, to be able to get to that point. And so now whenever I'm anxious about 
an email I have to send or whatever, mm -hmm. I sometimes will think like, this is insane. You used to be able to do yeah. this thing that very few people in the world could do. Mm -hmm. And now this is bothering you. Um, so I suppose the answer is that it never ends. Right. right. And that there yeah. is also, there's context here. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you get used to doing something over and over, it doesn't become so intimidating, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. playing basketball mm -hmm. in front of thousands of people was not really yeah. that big of a deal because I had worked my way up to it. I was doing yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Now, if I need to ask somebody for investment or pitch something to somebody and I'm like, I don't really know how I am. Uh -huh. This is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I it's worrying not, you? Yeah, right? It's am not I as physically terrifying, mm -hmm. but it's still in my brain yeah. that I'm not totally sure what I'm doing. Do you have tools that you used from basketball that have carried over to business that help you in situations like that or well, other situations? So the the business I run, as you know, is called mm -hmm. The Process. And um, I wrote a book called The Process is the Product, mm -hmm. which really is about the lessons I learned from sports that then I applied to writing, which now I have realized are sort of applicable everywhere, which is, you know, it is a little bit trite and cliche at this point, but figuring out how to love the day-to-day, -day, how to love yeah. that process. Mm -hmm. So for me, it does come back to taking action each day according to the plan that I've laid out for myself, mm -hmm. trusting that I've built this plan and I know what the steps are and all mm -hmm. I have to do today is this step. Yeah. And if I start thinking about here, I'm kind of in trouble. Yeah. Now, does that keep me from ever thinking about mm -hmm. here? No, mm -hmm. of course not. Like mm -hmm. I, but if I'm able to return to the same attitude that I took toward going from a 13-year-old in Meriden, Kansas, who learned how to play basketball on his gravel driveway mm -hmm. behind his, the deck behind his parents' house, to, I was actually a walk-on at Iowa State. That means that okay. I didn't have an mm -hmm. athletic scholarship. I went on an academic scholarship. So no one really expected much from me. To then, you know, we were really great college basketball team won the Big 12, which some people may or may not know mm -hmm. what that is. Uh, that's a league here in the U.S. It, can I in interrupt yes. you real quick? Because I'm really curious about, did you, when you went on as the academic, mm -hmm. did you, what did you expect of you? I thought I would be a professional basketball, some, okay. professional basketball player someday. Yeah. I, I felt like there's something about this that I understand mm -hmm. better than the people mm -hmm. around me. Now, with that said, I was also hyper aware that there were potential injuries to deal with. I couldn't yeah. control exactly what the results would be. Sure. So that I think connects to where we're headed with this. You know, I was a I was a good college basketball player, not mm -hmm. a great one. Um, and then I wormed my way into the pros, eventually becoming there's really no argument among the best 300 basketball players in the world. A few different times, right? Like I yeah. would tip. I wasn't in the best 100, but I was in the best 300, and I would kind of weave in and out of the NBA and stay overseas. And what that points to is that the system I built, the staircase that we're talking about, started when I was 13 years old, mm -hmm. and only really finished when I was 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. a really long time. It, it just takes such yeah. a long time to yeah. figure that out. Yeah. And I tell myself that often, when it comes to writing books, when it comes to running a business, that it's going to take a long time. Does that betray me occasionally and I can't sleep at night? Of course. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's sort of similar to, I don't know, 
an alcoholic who struggles with, well, I had a, a relapse or something like that, right? Like yeah, you, yeah. you build these systems, but our brains do occasionally get in our way, mm -hmm. right? So like yeah, you, you have to, lot, I think, yeah. admit that mm -hmm. that this stuff isn't just a, as simple as I'm going to turn myself into a robot and mm -hmm. do the same thing every day. Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, the process, mm -hmm. and so what what that looks like in. Um, on the day-to-day, -day, what you're doing to help people, um, what gave you, I know you, what this, I, you said what gave you the idea, but how did you turn the idea into a business? When I moved to Los Angeles after my basketball career, I thought I would just be a writer. I would just like Interesting. write a book every couple of years okay, and yeah. that's how I would make a living. Yeah. Um, sent my, what was my second book off to my agent. Uh, my first book had been written I had written while I played still, mm -hmm. right? So this was now post-career. Sent it to my agent. He's like, mm, nobody wants this. Thought I would self-publish it. That wasn't even going to work. So I had a real come-to-Jesus meeting mm -hmm. with myself mm -hmm. about like, oh, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I also, part of this is I don't even know that many writers. Mm -hmm. So I started a little thing in L.A. called Writer's Block that was mostly just a meetup for writers to get together, sit, mm -hmm. and write. Mm -hmm. Afterward, we would talk briefly about what everybody had accomplished, and at the beginning we handed out oatmeal cream pies as kind of a reward, um, <laughs> which I quickly learned people don't like as much as I like. Amazing. Um, so we very soon switched to chocolate. But point is, there was something to it. Like even on the first night, there were 17 people there. This and and there was this sense of like, oh wow, when I'm around other people, this job of writing isn't as hard, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. peer pressure helped with them. Yeah. So we it's moved like going from to the gym. It's exactly like going to the yeah, gym. That's how so I feel. <laughs> we uh, we moved from temporary spaces to our own permanent home. Um, started selling memberships, had T-shirts and tote bags and like the whole shebang. Um, and along the way, I and a friend realized it's not just writers who needed this. It was sort of all we didn't know how to define it quite at the time. It mm -hmm. was all mm -hmm. hybrid workers, etc. This is sort of pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so started a separate company called The Process. Then COVID hits, mm. lockdowns just destroy writer's block because you know we were an in-person business and yep. um, it was in LA, which was a tough place to run a business at that time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, time. Yeah. so I moved <laughs> to Denver to, to more fully flesh out The Process. We have a physical space here that works kind of similarly to what we did with writer's mm -hmm. block, although not just for writers. Yeah. It's structured sessions, so a co-working space where people can come and know that they're gonna lock in for an hour or two hours. There's an element of goal setting, there's an element of community and accountability afterward where mm -hmm. we would say, Nikki, did you do what you said you were going to do? So a little bit like CrossFit meets yeah. knowledge work. Yeah. So yeah. I bring up the term knowledge work because what we have found is that our target audience is knowledge workers, which I find interesting because this has been a sector of the economy that has grown a ton in the last 40 years, but people don't really know what it is, so I'm going to briefly yeah. elucidate. Yeah. Historically, there's three types of work. There's physical labor, so you're like moving bricks around. Mm -hmm. There's service, which is like you're a barista, or mm -hmm. maybe even if you're a doctor, or in some cases you're doing customer service, right? Mm -hmm. The third type is knowledge work, which is anything that's non-routine, it's creative, and it moves information around. So a lot of what you do is mm -hmm. knowledge work, mm -hmm. and a lot of what people do now all of us who are on computers moving information around is knowledge work, but 
most of us and most of society was trained around how to do physical labor because yes. for yeah. the bulk of our history mm -hmm. that's what a job was you went out and plowed a field or you yeah. built a road or whatever so i feel like we're actually kind of on the the front the forefront of figuring out how to reteach people how to do knowledge work mm -hmm. which is it requires periods of deep work. It's not the same as standing at an assembly line and just like doing the same thing all the time. Right. It's having to conceive of what do I need to do this week, this month, but now what do I need to do today and how can I really and truly focus for mm -hmm. 20 minutes or 30 minutes mm -hmm. or 40 minutes, not five hours. That's right. impossible. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. Like we gotta yeah. disabuse people of the mm -hmm. notion that mm -hmm. you can focus for five hours. You could stand at an assembly line for five hours because it's like sort of low level shallow work yeah but what we're finding is that people don't have the tools to do that because we weren't necessarily taught that in school mm -hmm. and now we're also adding in this layer of people are so distracted now by the amount of information coming at them mm -hmm. at all times right mm -hmm. we're sort of gluttons yep. for information in the same way that we're gluttons for food we love it yeah. Yeah. and we can't stop ourselves mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that means there's two things happening at once. We need to be better at focusing at the same time that the world is making it harder to focus. Yeah. So, so you have to have a lot of what we do is working with businesses and individuals um, in six week modules around how to get people to build systems again so that they can do these periods mm -hmm. of deep work, which sounds, honestly, sometimes when I talk about it, people are like, well, like, what, what is that exactly? Um, but I think what people find is that once they start digging in, I'm working with someone one-on-one -on -one right now, mm -hmm. and she admitted to me the other day that, like, she's like, when I made myself sit for 20 minutes without being able to reach for my phone, I actually mm -hmm. got the jitters. It's like going through yeah. withdrawal yeah. for people because we're so mm -hmm. used to so much information. And in the same way that an addict, an addict has a hard time seeing healthy, mm -hmm. I think people struggle to see what focused work or flow states can do for them. And once they do them, they're like, oh my God, I needed to do this five years yeah. ago. So um, I don't know if you already said this, I don't remember that you did, but one of the things that you do is you have people put their phones in a little bag yeah. and put them into a, a The phone hotel, yeah. The phone hotel, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so they're little, they're little orange bags with, it says the process on it. It's, it's really awesome. Um, but. What I have, I'm, I'm very easily distracted, and I know this about myself. And one of the things that I do, this just kind of goes along with what you're saying. One of the things that I do is I have 100 tabs open, mm. and then because it's my brain going, this research, and so I have to go back to it. But some of it's not, and some of it is, and some of it's just I need to remember it, right? Um, but then I'll also have 20 windows open. Oh, wow. Yeah, my computer hates me. Yeah. I'm just I'm, constantly worrying. Uh -huh. It just wants to take off from <laughs> your much. desk. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So working on that. Mm -hmm. um, I actually went in and I went and organized everything. Um, if you don't know, oh, shoot, I'm not going to remember what it's called. Um, it's an organization of your tabs. Mm. Toby. Okay. Have you heard of Toby? No. Kind of cool. Okay. I dig it. So, um, and it, you know, does it, it takes the pressure off your computer. Mm. And the, I'm learning the pressure off my brain. Right. So what I would do though, is I would have pinned all of these tabs that are the things that I go to regularly, but it included my email, it included Facebook, right? So I have to market and I have to go to LinkedIn and I have to do all of these things. And I would find myself going to those and just going, and I finally one day went, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clean my computer up mm -hmm. and I'm also gonna clean these tabs up and put them somewhere else. So in my, in my Toby, 
I have what's called pin tabs. So when I can go to it when I need to and remember that it's there. Mm. But I noticed when I did this, it wasn't intentional, that I stayed away from my email. Mm. And I stayed away from the Facebook and the LinkedIn until I needed to go to it for whatever reason. So I can um, only imagine that if you're going somewhere where it's quiet, because I've, I've obviously been to his location. It's great. It's calm. Nice music, right? It's good, nice music. Yeah, like, there's always music, good music, right? yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and you know, there's a little, um, there's a, a gathering space, but then there's spaces where you can be alone. Anyway, it's, it's a really nice spot, and I can only imagine that when you get there and all you, all you have to do is get your shit done, mm-hmm. that's what you do. Right. I mean, that makes it sound a little easier than it actually is. Because <laughs> Maybe. people are still going through that temptation, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, to check open a tab. Yeah, right? yeah. So like, mm-hmm. we're not standing over them, making them stay off of those tabs. And I think that's part of why some of this takes a while. Right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. not like you can just decide one day here's what I'm going to do. I'm never going to look at uh, my email after noon or whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. We talk a lot about how habits are formed, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you think about this a lot as mm-hmm. a uh, health coach. We, we like to think, especially because we're adults, that we should be able to just say, I'm going to stop doing this thing, right? But the reason that we do those things is because they're habits or routines, yep. right? Mm-hmm. They're built in, they're mm-hmm. hardwired through like neuroplasticity and yeah. all of the stuff yeah. that we don't want to get into because mm-hmm. I'm not actually a neuroscientist. Um, <laughs> we're hardwired to do those same things over and over, right? Like the simple example is when you brush your teeth, you don't think about brushing your teeth, you just get the toothpaste mm-hmm. to go, right? You don't have to consciously do that. Yeah. And it's very similar with, I'm just going to go check my email right now because it's reflexive, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've done a thing and now yeah. I should reward myself by checking my email. But our brains don't make a lot of sense out of the fact that that might lead to uh, infinite hallways, mm-hmm. right? It's like going mm-hmm. into a room where we're not sure how many hallways there might yeah. be that branch off from that room. Yeah. And that's also the fight, right? The companies that build these software programs and apps are using Mm -hmm. our worst nature against us, right? Mm -hmm. They know that those things like uh, intermittent reinforcement really work on the human brain. So I don't know how many emails are going to be in there when I go to check. Maybe there's going to be a really fun email. Maybe it's going to be something terrifying. I'm not sure. You know, again, wiser people than I have talked about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it is retraining instead of that behavior, Right, of going to check that tab, what what behavior are you putting in place of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it could be as large as I'm going to pick up a book, right? Yeah. And try reading that. These habit gurus talk a lot about how it's not so much that you want to stop a behavior, it's that you want to put a different behavior mm-hmm. in when you are cued or triggered to do something, right? So you're yeah. you're triggered by I need some relief from this PowerPoint or I need to look away from this presentation mm-hmm. I'm working on. And your instinct, because you've done it for so long, is I'll go check Twitter, right? But now you're on Twitter and that switch costs you something in cognitive effort. Mm -hmm. And you've also sent yourself away to this, again, new room, effectively, and it becomes really hard. So we have to think about what are you going to put in place that's a healthier behavior Mm -hmm. that also sounds attractive. Yeah, it's that... that, when when something's empty, what's gonna fill it? Mm-hmm. You've got and you have to fill it with something, or 
it would be filled probably something negative, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the 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 other age old one is a lot of times people smoke not even for the nicotine after mm -hmm. many years of mm -hmm. doing it. It's more it's the break, it's the taking of the breath. Having something in your hand. Right. So if you can say, do, instead yeah. of that, what if you walked outside and drank a favorite drink mm -hmm. in place of the cigarette, right? Like, just as an example, that's a very antiquated one, because yeah, I don't think not there's Dr. a lot of, not smokers around. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to take a, uh, a, uh, a spin drift with you outside, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and drink yeah. that, yeah. and then that might serve in place mm -hmm. of the cigarette. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, and I think what people often forget, is that this stuff's only hard at the beginning. Yeah. Eventually it becomes yeah. self-reinforcing in that it feels mm -hmm. good inherently. Mm -hmm. The fight is just at the start. It's just getting through it. Is figuring out how to rewire some of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I was doing a show with um, uh, one of my other guests, uh, Dr. Diane Mueller. I think, she, I think that she's the one who said it. But it was, you know, as, as, a, as a nutritionist, as any of us who are helping people, you know, essentially change habits, right? So mm -hmm. any kind of coach, you as well, there is, the way she described it, she's like, you always have to cross the river. Mm -hmm. And the river can be really hard to cross. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine what happens when you cross it and you're on the other side, you're like, all right, good stuff. Yeah, and that's, yeah. It, that is one of the struggles mm -hmm. with our business, and I'm sure yours, is mm -hmm. people have to be ready to do this, right? They have yeah, to have you decided, have to be ready. like, yeah. I'm at enough of a bottom, mm -hmm. I'm so scattered in my world, and I'm not getting enough done, and I recognize this isn't making me happy, mm -hmm. therefore I need some sort of help. And yeah. that can be, I think from a marketing standpoint, challenging, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not as easy as saying, like, this Dr. Pepper is going to make you feel great, right? Yeah. Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. I used to have a real problem with Dr. Pepper. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's why it's on your mind. Right. I certainly don't anymore. Um, my husband will grab it every now and then, and, you know, it's once a month or whatever mm -hmm. he does, mostly on trips going to Kansas. Um, but uh, he'll he'll grab one, and I'll take a drink. I'm like, this is just so sweet. It's so bad. Yeah, when you get off that stuff, Ooh. it's wild. Right? It is. I made myself the it other is. day. This is such a uh, nerdy thing. <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's a, it's kind of a hot day outside. I need to go down to the lounge in my apartment building to do a little work. Mm. I should make lemonade. But I made this is my taste buds are now so ready for not sweet things yeah. that lemonade was really just a squeezed lemon, a bunch of water, and a tiny bit of honey. Uh huh. And it oh, was, beautiful. It's like so good. I put some salt in there also just for uh -huh. fun. Uh -huh. um, and to me, that tastes as sweet as lemonade tasted when I was a kid mm -hmm. because I've gotten so far away from it. It's amazing, yeah, how it can change when um, when we don't, when we lose that sensitivity, which is a good thing. We want mm -hmm. to lose that sensitivity to to sweet. You know, sweet's not bad. It, it helps us to, to, it helps the body to recognize food, right? Taste is a good thing. But we've gotten to this point in our world where, um, Things aren't sweet enough, and so we, then we go and sweeten them with fake sweet, right? right? Which is even sweeter. And the brain's like, I don't know what to do with this, and mm -hmm. the liver's like, I don't know what to do with this, and so it just creates this nasty problem with where with with all these fake foods and the the intensity of the sweetness. Mm. I remember as a kid, <laughs> my mom would bring home strawberries, you know, take them, and I would open up the white sugar canister stick it in the white sugar canister and eat it. I'm like, because it's just not sweet enough. Right. It's amazing. 
yeah. I would could never even. I mean, I eat a strawberry now. I'm like, this is the most delicious, sweetest thing I can imagine. Well, and what's I think pertinent about what you're talking about to my world is information works in the same way. Mm -hmm. Right now, we are all being bombarded with a saccharine version of information. So yeah. quick hits that make us mm -hmm. feel good very briefly, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They're not the same as sitting with a book or even sitting outside with your own thoughts or mm -hmm. meditating or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm just as guilty of this as anyone that I'm searching for that next quick hit of serotonin or whatever mm -hmm. the exact hormone is that's mm -hmm. involved. Mm -hmm. And it, it is so much like sugar because once you get away from it mm -hmm. and then you start eating healthy in an information mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. and you start reading books again and you have the attention span to do those things yeah. you realize like oh this makes me really happy i feel mm -hmm. really good about this mm -hmm. in the same way that now if i cook myself a steak that has basically no seasoning on it mm -hmm. i'll be like wow this is really good yeah. as compared to maybe eating a mcdonald's hamburger or something yes. right yeah yeah so it, it's interesting um, kind of getting onto the nutrition piece because I know that you have um, you have a history, in, you know, being in sports. And we had talked about this just a little bit, but where oh, and I've talked to others about this, but professional sports, even college sports, you know, high school kids don't care about what they eat. But the lack of attention to nutrition mm -hmm. through professional sports, which is so bizarre to me, mm. really when the better you eat, the better your performance, the better your brain, the better your muscle growth, the better everything is. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a thought. It's just not even a thought for, right. for some, not for all. I know some of them are starting to move in that direction, but what, what was your experience and what was it that made you change? Cause I know you've changed, but it was after professional mm -hmm. sports that you made the change. It was frustrating. I keep going to sleep. Oh yeah, you know, you know my battle. Uh, it was frustrating during my career. Yeah. That, for example, maybe we'd have a really brutal road trip where, even in college, I noticed this. We would fly to, let's say, the University of Colorado because mm -hmm. at the time Iowa State and Colorado were mm -hmm. in the same league. Maybe we arrive at night and they're just like, "Okay, go to bed," and you are thinking to yourself, I am a six foot nine, 230 pound, uh, high level athlete who's also kind of still growing, yeah. right? I'm yeah. 19 or 20 years yeah, old. Yeah, for sure. Has no one thought about the fact that we're all starving, mm -hmm. right? Like this mm -hmm. can't possibly be advantageous for tomorrow's game. Yeah. It might not matter that much, but it's definitely not good mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And I think as I look back, there is a bit of regret in my head because my brain was saying this, that this didn't make sense, but I didn't really do anything about it mm -hmm. because I was also just sort of going along with the crowd. Like, right. oh, well, nobody's thinking about this. They must yeah. know better than I do, so let's not concern ourselves with it. When I think back to that time in my life, the goal was almost always number of calories mm -hmm. effectively, right? Like, and just that's what get a lot of enough, people still believe. Right, is, just get is, enough just talk about calories. energy in. Yeah. And I think back to how much, like I don't know how far that rabbit hole you want to go down, but how much sugar, how many like simple carbs I was eating, the and energy how, bars, yeah, the and how the, yeah. inflamed I was all the yeah. time. Oh yeah. Because I, so I had in college three different stress fractures, for example, oh, right? Yeah. As a pro, then 
got hurt a bunch, but had two knee surgeries. Um, both knees scoped, broke my ankle, had three surgeries on that, right? Um, broke my foot and caught like lots and lots mm -hmm. of stuff that mm -hmm. I think could be tied to just kind of chronic inflammation and overuse. And both of those nutrient things, right? deficiencies. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't eating enough great food for the amount of stress and the frequency of the stress mm -hmm. on my body. Yeah. It wasn't as simple as like, well, you just need to drink more milk because your bones are breaking. Mm. It's a little more complicated than that, I think. Yeah, and that's not, that's but, not true. But it was, yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, and it was also the case that, like you said, no one was paying attention to those things. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even really an option. It wasn't like I went out of my way to eat poorly or suboptimally. It mm -hmm. just, we didn't think about it, yeah. right? Which yeah. is, is insane mm -hmm. looking back, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially considering the amount of money that was attached. I will say yeah. that I think what they would probably say is that they were trying to pick their battles. They're like, we can only control so mm -hmm. much about mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. So therefore we're gonna focus on practicing for three and a half hours and not on what did you eat for lunch today? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's that, I don't know. It's just, it, it frustrates me because, well, okay. So sorry, my brain, I did brain fart for a second. Um, what I know about, about this is a very small amount, right? Mm -hmm. So you you and Lowry, my husband are both from Kansas. And so he went to KU. KU has, or had, I'm assuming they still have her, um, but a nutrition coach, like this oh, wow. high-level nutrition coach. Um, and obviously, KU's pretty good mm -hmm. at what they do, right? right? right. I mean, they brought us Christian Brown, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but, I mean, of course, that's, 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 you know, the nutrition is a part of it, skill is a part of it, but, but having that piece of it, and even if you can't control it as, you know, because it's hard to control kids, that age you're still kids, mm -hmm. It's the impression, you know, it's, it's bringing the impression upon them how important this is. If you want to grow, if you want to be successful, if you want to move to the next level, whatever that next level is, you know, this, this has got to be, you know, a key part of, of who you are, you know, mm -hmm. your, your daily life. And to kind of bring it, I think, full circle, um, if I hope I'm not cutting you short, but what I love also then about what you're doing now with the process is that's that's exactly what you're doing is you're trying to to bring at least introduce mm -hmm. people to to the other things out there that are going to help them to live that full holistic successful business life right, right? so if if we talk about this stereotypical knowledge worker mm -hmm. right i think historically we've treated them sort of like bricklayers Right? We're just like, well, we'll just kind of burn you out, and yeah. then when we need a new one, we'll get that person in here. Mm -hmm. That's not good for the business or the team that they're on or the department they're in, right. and yep. it's definitely not good for the person. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what I would say is instead of treating people like bricklayers, we need to treat them more like high-level basketball players and actually start thinking about what is the connection between how focused you are today and how you slept last night. Mm -hmm. What did you eat yesterday? What is that having to do yeah. with your ability to pay attention today? Mm -hmm. Does that mean, like if you slept for eight and a half hours as opposed to six and a half, does that mean that you have either 20 minutes of deeper focus in you today or 25 minutes of focus? And imagine like value is added for people mm -hmm. in this knowledge work world at those margins of like five more minutes versus yeah. 20. That's 25% more mm -hmm. Productivity, mm -hmm. right? 
Similarly, if you could be 20% more locked in on whatever you're doing because you slept an extra two hours last night, that might mean the difference for the business mm -hmm. of these mm -hmm. like big lever arms of now you're suddenly like, that might be like a 10 times return on yeah. the investment in thinking about that. The issue is that similar to sports, we haven't yet started to mm -hmm. really think about mm -hmm. how we treat our brains and our ability to focus. And we tend to go back to this mentality of, well, all this person needs to do is move this thing from here to here. How great do they have to be? Now, obviously, some of this stuff would also really apply to the proverbial bricklayer, but yep. that's not really my concern. That's not yeah. my forte. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. So um, I have been a little bit a part of this, which I, I've been, I've had a good time with and appreciated. So I, I, um, I, I love, I love that. That's why. Well, I'm going to take a, a quick, quick deviation into something that that I'm doing that has a little bit to do with well, I'm not speaking well at all geez um, but has a little bit to do it's similar to what you're doing but different mm -hmm. right so um, you know I'm talking about uh, soulful conception uh, for those of you who know about this this is uh, preconception planning it is purposeful living for a healthy body healthy baby and a healthy pregnancy um, a lot of what I'm working on doing with this program is, yes, it is absolutely for the, the, the women, their spouses, right, it's mostly for women, but I want their spouses to be involved. Obviously, they're half of the process, pretty important. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond just, you know, just this, it's, all, it's also about creating a healthy future, right? So impact, you know, impacting the future, empowering women and couples to to understand the power that they have of, yes, creating today, but also creating for generations. What I'm also trying to do with that, though, is build a community of practitioners because those, my clients who come into this program, I want them to be introduced to all of the different modalities that might be beneficial for them to, to move through the process of planning for pregnancy and being as successful as they can with as many tools and guides as they possibly need. Because I know when they come into this program, they are gonna need some of what I have, but they might need a hypnotherapist, they might need a uh, fertility coach, they might need uh, you know someone that helps, helps them with their the biomechanics, right? So bringing in people and you know, kind of just spreading the love is really what I'm hoping for and bringing, bringing, introducing people to modalities that they may not know exist. It's kind of like this show. I want to bring to you what you may or may not know is out there, think outside of the conventional and find the things that are going to be the most helpful for you, bring you good information, real information, solid information. Um, and, and, you know, it just goes back to being of service and, and when I know something really cool, I want to share it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really kind of what it comes down to. So anyway, um, if you have any questions or thoughts regarding soulful conception, uh, please reach out. You can, um, you know, taste like nutrition in all the places. Um, and I really, like I said, I'm here to be of service. So if there's somebody else that can serve you better than I, then that's the way that it needs to be. And that's, that's the way that I want it to be. So, uh, reach out. We'll, we'll get more into that here a little bit later. Um, but beyond that, um, I wanted to, oh, I know what I want to talk about. Mm. 
So you brought this idea um, of, and you, you had a full name for it. We just call it the Victors. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about the Victors, mm. and I want to talk about where that came from and why it came from. I forgot I had another question. Okay. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> here to do. Jumping around right. a lot. So I do want to get to that next. Okay. I want to know where you want, where you see and where you want to go with the process. Mm. And then I want to jump into the victors and a little bit of that. Got it. I, I think like you, my goal is to help people. Yeah. There's a great book called The Second Mountain by David Brooks mm -hmm. where he talks about generally everyone's first mountain is sort of ego-based around like, I want to be the best basketball player, right? I want to be famous. Mm -hmm. And you realize when you get to the top of that mountain that it doesn't make you any happier. Right. And so inevitably people have a big sort of come down and then realize that their second mountain is how can they give? How can right. they be of service mm -hmm. to others? So my uh, hope is to, and this is on my mind because we talk a lot about values at the process because mm -hmm. you can't really make changes unless you've decided why you want to make that change and that usually can be tapped into by talking about people's values like what do they care about most so i love personal connection mm -hmm. right it's like really making a connection with someone yeah. and i love um new experiences and sort of personal growth which all ties together mm -hmm. with this so mm -hmm. as i look at where i would like to take it it is continuing to do what we do here in Denver, continuing to work with businesses, but also like new types of businesses mm -hmm. all the time. We've worked with, um, for example, a company that does telehealth. So I got to work with a bunch of coders and software developers wow. who talk about people who really need to focus, yeah. right? Perfect yeah. audience mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought about that. The more I meet these new types of clients, the better I get mm -hmm. at talking and teaching these concepts mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's a win but then selfishly I do love going out and talking about these things meeting people seeing the light go on demystifying accomplishment goal achievement those kinds of things has been near and dear to me for so long because as we talked about at the beginning of the show you start to realize like no one knows anything mm -hmm. so we might as well be mm -hmm. open and honest instead of trying to intimidate people with here's all the stuff you have to do thinking more in terms of how to simplify it and yeah. say, it's it's not that bad, I'm gonna be here for you. Mm -hmm. It's it's not gonna be easy necessarily, but we can come up with simple tools yeah. for this. So that's a long answer, but I see it as me being of service in a way that also matches up with my values. Because mm -hmm. there's a selfishism mm -hmm. to that, right? Like it just so happens that I like these things. I like going out and giving talks and working with people and, yeah. and seeing their eyes light up when these mm -hmm. things function. So. I think I'm pretty paired with the right kind of pursuit because of those things turn me yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you can call it selfishism, but it's kind of, it's how you're made, right? Right. I mean, that's how, well, we, yeah. we, I talk a little bit about how there's kind of two whys in our lives mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. same way that on the basketball court, I had an individual goal. I needed to get better at basketball mm -hmm. to stay on the court, to move on to the next team, whatever it is, but I had to subsume that to some degree to make the team win. Yep. And these are always in tension, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, similarly, mm -hmm. we all have our personal goals. Right. We hope that we can line those up yeah. in service of a team or organization. Mm -hmm. And that's when we're really connected and whole. Sometimes they're at odds. Well, I'm I'm here to just make money. This team needs me mm -hmm. to be you know, giving. I, we can't, we're not actually aligned and probably that relationship's not gonna last very long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, there, 
is, uh, we see, would you agree that we can we see that a lot? Yeah, and I think I I go through this a lot with people when I talk about how there's no reason to stay in a job you hate. Mm-hmm. And and so mm-hmm. people will push back and say, no, this is just how it is. You're supposed to hate your job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, look, first of all, I'm not saying you need to love it all the time. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to uh, be in love with it every day, yeah. right? But if you tr- truly hate it, like, that's not right. Like, well, that's and not... what a miserable life. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, who and wants to be miserable and that you come across as miserable? Right, and oftentimes the reason you hate it is because your values are misaligned. It's not because there's something wrong with the job or something wrong with Mm -hmm. you. It's just like, that's not what you need at that point in your life. Um, And so I do think we are maybe more than ever in love with money and material Mm -hmm. goods. We Mm -hmm. don't think about, you know, if you suggest to somebody like, maybe consider being a teacher. Mm -hmm. They would say like, they don't make enough money. Mm -hmm. Well, teachers actually do make quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the range, I think the average teacher is like sixty-five or $70,000 to work yeah. 185 days a year. That's not bad. Yeah. And you're giving of yourself, mm-hmm. right? Which is yeah. a, a much better gig than mm-hmm. like, well, I created a bunch of content for this company I don't care about on yeah. social media. Like, is that filling you mm-hmm. up? I doubt it. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that I, I was thinking about earlier, and this kind of takes a step back a little bit, but, you know, as I was kind of, you know, thinking about our conversation was I think what you see on some of these teams when you have the egos, the selfishness, mm-hmm. sometimes bad behavior, I couldn't help but to take it back to what are they eating? Mm. And some of it is, it, it, I think it all goes together. Some of it's the way that they grow up. Some of it's, you know, a lot of the things that, that really should should be addressed in other ways. Food can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're deficient... Um, if you're not eating well, if you're inflamed, kind of all the things that we talked about, those are things that are going to affect you mentally, emotionally, you know, obviously physically. So it's just kind of one of those interesting thoughts that I had when we have some of those actors mm. that we see mm-hmm. that can be a little frustrating. Or athletes, but right? Yeah. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> actors or athletes. I was like, actors, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, back to even as you were talking about preconception work mm. in the way that's similar to the sports world in that it might not matter all that much but it's definitely not going to help to have you be deficient in whatever the thing right. is right yeah. but sleep food hormones mm. whatever the, that mm-hmm. thing is yeah, yeah. so why not give yourself the best chance to succeed mm-hmm. in all of these arenas yeah. um it, i mean it's I think we also have to admit that we live in a time of extremism. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people mm-hmm. think, well, that means I have to be perfect, right? And that's obviously impossible. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's also valuable to talk about, like, pressure releases. How do we build yeah. in, mm-hmm. you know, a realistic look at whether it's your work or my work? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that we're trying to turn you into the aforementioned automaton. We want to have you address this as a human that is also fallible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I want to get to the victors. Let's talk oh, yeah. about the victors. Yeah, so it's we call it Victor, just singular, as a group. Sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and it's very um, new. My friend Dave mm-hmm. uh, and I were noodling on what we were seeing in the world, and the thing we kept coming back to was uh, that we've incentivized 
a victim's mentality, mm-hmm. which is historically incorrect. Throughout history, we celebrate victors. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean malevolent victors. We're not right. talking about like dictators and conquerors. Right, right, right. But people who have overcome an obstacle, mm-hmm. not those who have been uh, defeated by the yeah. obstacle. Yeah. Um, this is, again, this is not our terminology. It's just stuff that has resonated mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've seen from books we've read and, and kind of what's happening in the proverbial zeitgeist. And so we, as you know, just wanted to get some people together who agreed with that. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of, you know, there's talk these days of the heterodox community. So people mm-hmm. who have different views getting together, which is sort of the point of like, um, classical liberal behavior, mm-hmm. meaning that you accept each person on their own terms, their views are valid, mm-hmm. which we, I think, have gotten away from a little bit in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to get people together who were maybe of back, backgrounds that were different, but who shared some sense that, like, something's not quite right with yeah. this celebration of the victim over mm-hmm. the victor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it seems like many of those who should be victors are the ones who are uh as, as just being crushed mm, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah I mean, yeah it's it that's what's so odd about our times right we've we've inverted the scale yeah right normally yeah. Uh, we are compassionate toward a victim mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. don't necessarily celebrate their victimhood yeah uh, now it seems like we do celebrate them in addition to being compassionate toward them. And then that means that those who do overcome and are champions are somehow shouted down just because they're good at stuff. Yeah. Which is, again, it's not sustainable. It's historically incorrect, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if Mm -hmm. we look through history, that's not how humans have behaved when they're in a healthy state of Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And I think it will swing back eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. We have been lucky in the West uh, economically mm-hmm. for you know 50 yeah. or 60 years and so we have this luxury to be able to think we can you know uh, turn all of this on its head I read a book <laughs> recently called um, the age of entitlement mm-hmm. which is actually about America since the 60s so mm-hmm. starting then really there, there was such a, an economic boom that allowed us to think oh the old ways are out and now we're going to lift up all of the downtrodden which again noble goal yeah but as you start to codify that mm-hmm. it has some unintended consequences yeah to say the least to say the least <laughs> yeah exactly um let's talk about how people can find you oh um website is createyourprocess.com mm-hmm. um and if you're interested in following me on social media it's at paul then Shirley on twitter and instagram awesome yeah perfect so yeah, check it out. Check him out. Are you doing anything virtually, or is it yeah. all? I thought you no, were. No, yeah, we yeah. do. So we um, we do in-person stuff here in Denver. That's kind of like yeah. the the core of what mm-hmm. we do. When we work with businesses, that's all uh, remote. So okay. we've worked with businesses that are in Seattle and mm-hmm. Iowa and Buenos Aires. Uh, so it's usually uh, almost always a group call where I'm leading people through over the course of six weeks, a curriculum around like how to build Mm -hmm. these systems and processes. Awesome. Perfect. So yeah, check him out. Um, really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I love what you're doing, which of course is why I wanted to have you on. I think it's, I should mention too, uh, I wrote a book called the process is the product, which I'm not trying to shill for because it exists as a free podcast, so you can listen to each episode. Each chapter is an episode. 
okay. each episode as a chapter. Yep, yep. So if people are interested in learning more mm -hmm. in a um, truly low impact way, cool. like without any real commitment, mm -hmm. that's a good way to get a sense of who we're, well, who I am and what we're doing. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out. Good stuff. Um, and you know, again, to be repetitive because I love it. People who are out there to help build others up are the people we need to surround ourselves by. Um, we, we need to, we're here to lift each other up. So, um, of course you can find me taste like nutrition, um, the, the website, all the social media, uh, you can, on the website, fill out a free assessment that comes straight to me. I'll reach out to you personally and we'll chat a little bit about it. And of course, if you, um, if you are looking to start or grow your family, if you know someone, one of the funniest things is when I talk about soulful conception, is people are like, oh, I'm way outside of that. Like, mm. But you know people. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, we have this, it's all about me, which is okay. I mean, that's what we do. But... <laughs> Um, we all know people who are looking to start and grow their, their families, and the goal of this really is to give the best start, reduce negative outcomes. It, the, the data shows that we do a few small changes prior to getting pregnant, we can reduce negative outcomes by 80%. I mean, it's pretty amazing stuff. And so that's what I want to see. Um, I want to... Uh, I, you know, if, if you know anyone, send them to me. Happy just to have a conversation. Um, we have gotten it going, and we're having some fun with it. And having, again, I've got the, some of the most amazing guest experts who are joining me to help to guide clients through their process of of getting ready, whatever that looks like. You know, we've got people with a lot of stuff going on that uh, that are getting really good help and really good guidance. So. That's that's the goal of it. Um, and that's it. You'll find us here every Thursday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on KUHDenver.com. And then, of course, we are the Taste Life Nutrition Podcast after that. So you can find us afterwards if you're not able to join us live. And we will see you next week. Y'all have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Sorry. Of Thank course. you for being here. Thank I'm you really for grateful that you were here. It's good stuff. All right. Bye, everybody. Dum, -ba -da -dum. Yeah. That ever-present moment of truth.